all we need to do is pray for people to come to the website, download these messages, and be blessed and share the word of God, continue to uh, pass it on to other people. So let's pray for these recordings and it will reach, uh, imagine there are over 7 billion people in the world today. And the Lord is seeking such as should be saved. This is what he came for. He is working and he knows how to reach these 7 billion people. And we believe that we are just, you know, a small part. We may uh, appear as a little drop in an ocean, but still it's a drop. And that's what the ocean is made out of, many, many drops. So we will continue to do what we can for the glory of Jesus. Our job is to glorify his name and uh, to, to take his name to the ends of the earth. And God has given us this medium today. Uh, I was speaking on Friday with the church in Norway, and I mentioned that uh, I'd been reading a book called Focus, how our attention has been, our focus has been stolen by screens, by the internet. And this author, uh, Johan or Johan Hari, he, he said that uh, every second that we do not look into the screens of companies like, like Facebook, Facebook actually loses money. Imagine. And then he went on to say that some of the smartest people in the world are now working towards making sure that they grab our attention. The longer they can hold our attention on the on these social media platforms, uh, the more uh, money they get through advertising, for instance. And I asked the question, uh, how are we going to uh, fight back and ensure that we keep our attention upon Jesus? It's not enough to come together in Jesus' name. We should be able to keep our focus on Jesus. Amen. That's why I always encourage people to put away mobile phones, smartphones, whatever. I don't want something called a smartphone to take me to hell. That's not very smart. Amen. So we need to make sure that Jesus gets his attention. Don't let Twitter or emails, Microsoft, whatever. We can't go to Jesus and say, I'm so, uh, say to Jesus, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, uh, stole your time, Jesus. The time I was supposed to give for you, uh, they robbed it from me. Uh, that's not going to sell. So we need to understand there is a time for Jesus. And we must determine and dedicate ourselves to observing that time. Like uh, Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus and refused for anything to distract her in the name of Jesus. This is going to be the big challenge of the days to come. In fact, these guys were talking in this book about how people are getting ADHD today, adults, because these companies are basically paid to disrupt disrupt our attention. Imagine. Disrupt our attention. I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And the guy came up with terms like digital detox. We need to be digitally detoxed. It's like removing poison out of your body. May God help us. So we determine we will not let anything get between us and the time that we have set aside for Jesus. Can we say amen? There is a Jesus name. We're not going to allow any screens except now this screen that you're on. 
we dedicated to Jesus. Amen. God bless you for that. And having said that, I want to share a message I did share with the Church of Norway. I had another message, but as always, we obey the word of the Lord. And this is especially for the sisters uh, that are, but the bro brothers can learn also from, from this message. And I see many of the people here, most are sisters. So the Lord wants to encourage en encourage you. I was studying the story of Mary Magdalene at the grave of Jesus, and it really touched me. And uh, what a believer, what a disciple. Uh, so much to learn from her. So let's just go straight to the word of God. Let's turn to the gospel of John chapter 20, verses 11 and, no, 10 and 11. The gospel of John chapter 20, verses 10 and 11. John chapter 20, verses 10 and 11 says, then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. Let's read this again. The disciples went away again unto their own home. Notice it says they went away. And it says again. Can we say all the men went away? <laughs> and they did it again. But the Bible says in verse 11, but Mary, can we all say, but Mary, amen. There is always a disciple who refuses to be like everyone else, amen. There's always a disciple who says, Peter may go, John may go, James may go, but I'm not going. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Hallelujah. Because even though he may be dead and buried, he is still my Lord. I still love him dearly. I'm not going to leave his body. And Mary refused to leave. Amen. Uh, this sermon we can just entitle, Seeking the Lord Like Mary Magdalene. Seeking the Lord Like Mary Magdalene. Amen. So we have to understand there's something about this Mary. She refused to follow conventions. She refused to follow the, the role that was basically preordained for sisters to follow. We have to understand her background. We'll come to that. But that in serving the Lord, we have been given permission or liberty, if you will, to be different. Amen. Say, I follow Jesus as Jesus leads me, as I feel to follow him. That means you demonstrate your love to Jesus as you feel to do so. Jesus gives room for that. You see the, the role that women played in the ministry of the Lord, they were always with him. In fact, many Bible commentators noted that uh, women were very free, unlike what the laws, the Judaic laws required and the customs of those days. And you can see that somehow Mary served the Lord with a different kind of love, liberty, freedom, 
The Bible says all the disciples went. She refused to go. She decided to stay there. You see, the other apostles were satisfied with seeing where the body of the Lord was laid, and they went to it, not Mary. She wanted to basically observe awake, a whole night vigil. Mary's only business was the Lord Jesus. Amen. She was willing to sacrifice sleep, comfort, amen, because she loved Jesus so much. And let me tell you, when a person loves Jesus that much, wonderful things begin to happen. Say wonderful things. You say just by loving Jesus? Yes. Because when you love Jesus, you're going to do things that other people don't do. And then you're going to see things and experience, experience miracles that other people don't experience. Amen. Do you know that the degree to which you love Jesus will determine the, the things that you experience in your Christian walk? Praise God. Think about Daniel, for instance. The Bible says he was a man beloved of God. Now he was alone. You may say, well, he and the three Hebrew children were alone and there's not much happening there. Oh, just read the book of Daniel. It's full of action. The man was alone. And when King Darius asked him the next morning, um, as the God whom you serve day and night been able to save you, what did he re reply? He said, the Lord sent his angel. That means he saw this happen. Nobody else saw this. Of course, everybody believed it because how, how do you survive a, a, a hungry den of lions? God could have just sent the angel and made the angel invisible and shut their mouths. No, God showed him the angel coming down and physically shutting the mouths of the lions. He was alone, but he loved God. When you love God, you will see things that other people don't see. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. And then you tell us what you saw because of your great love for Jesus. So Daniel saw great things. And I'm telling you, as we shall soon discover, uh, Mary Magdalene experienced great things, which nobody else experienced because her love for Jesus, this profound Deep love for Jesus made her go the extra mile, extra mile. Amen. Say, you know, if you say, well, what is your uh, message today? My message today is, I hope somebody will love Jesus so much that you go the extra mile. Go the extra mile for Jesus and you will see some wonderful things. You will have a story to tell where it was not, by the way, we are reading from the gospel of John, yeah? But it was not John who experienced these things. It was Mary. Mary was alone. Mary had to tell John later what she saw. Imagine. They may call themselves apostles, but she saw something that no apostle saw because she loved Jesus so much. So I want to encourage the sisters first. Never just say, oh, I'm just a woman. Uh, you know, there's even a song. I'm, ju I'm just a woman. You know, if I were the... Uh, Lord, help me today. Show me the way. You know the song. Uh, I've always wondered why did she say, I'm just a woman. Um, why don't you say, well, I'm a woman for Jesus. I mean, and like Mary Magdalene, I'm going to do something. My love for Jesus is no less than any man. 
no less than the apostles in Jesus' name. Just because you may be a man doesn't mean you love Jesus more than a sister. I've noticed and I've always said, I look at churches and I've always wondered why there are more sisters than brothers in the church. Amen. Are we to conclude, and this seems to be an international phenomenon, are we to conclude that in heaven there will be more sisters than brothers? I mean, we'll all be like angels, but are there more sisters being, women being saved than men? I would love for somebody to look at the statistics. I'm saying this to provoke the men also. Um, we need to pray because the devil wants to get the men. He knows the men are the head of the households and they have the big responsibilities. So strike them and everything will be scattered. But I want to encourage, encourage the sisters because Mary Magdalene is a great role model for women. And she was not the best role model. In fact, she was the worst to begin with. She had seven demons in her. Sometimes you look at people and say, how horrible, how terrible. I mean, I don't see this ending well. This is a shame. This is a scandal. Well, the end of the story has not been written yet. We don't know. The person you're looking at today, a prostitute, a drug addict, we don't know what they'll become tomorrow. Who knew that this woman with seven demons? Only God knows what horrible things the demons would do to her. That she would be the great Mary Magdalene, The woman who refused to leave the grave of Jesus. Amen. So let's continue here. You see, she refused to return and continue with her life. Oh, praise God. I wish... We have a spirit like Mary. She was with the Lord. We don't know how many years. Maybe if the Lord saved her or delivered her in the beginning of his ministry, she was with him for three years. The men, the apostles, were willing to go back and continue with their lives. We even know Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. Mary said, no, my life stops here. Think about it. Mary had no other life. Her life was Jesus. I'm sure if she could, she would ask to die with Jesus. That's how much Mary loved Jesus. How much do you love Jesus is the question today. We are going to spend eternity with Jesus. I pray, whenever I read the story of Mary Magdalene, she really challenges my love for Jesus. I cried when I was preparing this message. I looked at Mary and I can almost talk to her and say, Mary, I understand. I und we are kindred spirits. I know you how much you love Jesus. I understand. I would have loved to cry with you that night. Be in there and say, oh, my life stops here. What's the point of living if Jesus is here and this, his, his body's dead? He can no longer reach forth and heal me, no longer speak to me. I don't want to live. Oh, praise God. This is love. Deep love for Jesus. There are some individuals who love the Lord more than life itself. Amen. And Mary was one of them. She not only wept, she stooped to look into the sepulcher. That's what the Bible tells us. Look at John chapter 20, verse 11. 
John 20 verse 11 says, Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Just imagine with me what was happening. This is a desperate woman. It's like a woman who is looking for her, her beloved, somebody, she, a child or you, that you lost or a father or mother. She is desperate. She was weeping outside. She stoops. She looks inside the sepulcher, looking around, weeping. How do we look for Jesus? How do we seek Jesus? Do we seek him after we have had every other uh, want and desire, need satisfied? At the end of the day, we give him three minutes. We mumble a little prayer. So I'm sorry, Lord, that I'm giving you three minutes of my time. Mary, for Mary, Jesus was life itself. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And for Mary, Jesus was life. She stooped into the tomb. She truly loved Jesus. What was it that made Mary love the Lord more than everyone else? There is a clue in what the Lord himself said in Luke chapter 7, verse 47. In the gospel of Luke chapter 7 and verse 47, Jesus says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is given is forgiven, the same loveth little. Think about it. In other words, a person whose sins are many and those sins are forgiven naturally tends to love more. We cannot be sure that the woman with the seven demons was Mary Magdalene, but there's a tradition that associates this woman with Mary, Mary Magdalene. But we do know that Mary definitely was a woman of whom Jesus had cast out now I'm speaking about that woman who we often say was a, had a dubious reputation, the one who came with the alabaster box. And the Pharisee said if he knew, what, if, if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman this is. And people often, you know, are not sure, but there's, there's, a, there's a theory that says this, that woman may have been Mary Mackin. She loved Jesus so much. He delivered a, deli it, it makes sense. If somebody has seven demons, those seven demons are not going to, uh, you know, give you, make sure that you have the best reputation in town. They, they're going to take you to places that uh, good people don't go. So when Mary was delivered from these seven demons, she owed everything to Jesus. No one could stop her from uh, showering Jesus with her love profuse love she entered into that house broke the alabaster box with her hair she washed his feet and now at the grave she keeps weeping she refuses to go she stoops down looks around into the sepulcher her sins which were many were forgiven her and therefore she loves a lot May God have mercy upon us. Is our problem today that 
we feel Jesus has not done enough for us. And if some of us think Jesus did not really deliver us from, you know, something that terrible, that can be a clue. How we love and how we serve Jesus is really dependent on how we understand his work of salvation. What did Jesus do for you? He delivered us from sin, from Satan, from eternal death, from hell. That, that, those are good reasons to love Jesus deeply, more than anything. Very good reasons to love Jesus. Amen. Because no one, no one can do any of those things for you. Except Jesus. Save me from my sins. Deliver me from Satan and his king, the kingdom of evil. Who can save me from eternal death except Jesus? Who can give me eternal life except Jesus? I want to. I must love him. You must love him. Amen. So Mary cried. There were not many people, it seemed, who were crying for Jesus when he died. I mean, there were those on the cross, but uh, please don't mix the film, the, the passion of the Christ with the real events in the Bible. When they laid his body there, there were no, who was there crying for him? I only know it was Mary. Praise God. God bless Mary. Mary lived for one purpose after the Lord delivered her. To follow him even to the grave. Praise God. Even to the grave, she said, I will follow. When the apostles said, we will follow you. That did not include to the grave. I know I'm being a bit harsh upon the apostles. God bless them. But you know what I mean. You know, normally, who is there at the end? When, you know, when all the grieving and the mourning is done and everybody says, RIP, rest in peace. And the world crosses themselves five times. It's like it's finished now. Let's go. No. But you know who comes back? Who lays flowers on the graves? Who cries? It's often the one who loves you the most. Your mother. A close, maybe aunt or grandmother or father. They never seem to be able to leave. The one whom they love dearly. And Mary was not ready to leave Jesus. She really did not think he would come back. But she was willing to be there at his grave. This woman, till the day she would become old and die, I'm sure she would be going to that grave as often as she could and would want to put spices and all of that and weep and cry because that's how much she loved Jesus. When someone loves deeply, you can't tell them, go away. You can't tell them, stop weeping. You can't tell them, how long are you going to keep crying? Love for Jesus. Love for Jesus. May the Lord give us the love that Mary had. I know I need more of the love that Mary had for Jesus. May Jesus give me more of that love. So Luke records that Mary stooped to look into the sepulcher. So intensely and passionately did she seek the Lord that she stooped to look into the sepulchre. 
There were people who never stooped to consider the Lord Jesus while he lived. But Mary stooped to worship and adore her Lord even in the grave. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you know, when you go to that extent in loving Jesus, she did not care that he's dead. She came looking for him. She stooped, crying. And when somebody seeks Jesus to such a degree with such passion, <laughs> Jesus is God. Jesus is alive. Jesus will come. Jesus will visit you where you are. Hallelujah. Jesus will reward your love for him. And now miracles began to happen. And you know what the first miracle was? <laughs> when she was crying and stooping, she looked in and she saw two angels. Hallelujah. It's enough to see one angel, but two angels. One sitting where the head of Jesus was and one sitting where the foot of Jesus was. Imagine that. Didn't I tell you when you love Jesus and you refuse to leave him? Miracles begin to happen. Daniel refused to stop worshipping God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his fathers. They even signed the treaty. The king signed the treaty. He went on his knees. Can you imagine going on your knees when you know that you are signing your death warrant? Will you pray if you know that if you have to go upon your knees, you're go surely going to die? Lions will eat you if you pray today. Imagine if somebody were to send you an SMS text message. If you dare to pray to Jesus and go on your knees today, you will be fed to lions tonight. <laughs> will you still pray? Daniel prayed. Daniel looked at it and said, uh, I love God. More than anything, more than my position as president. I'm not afraid of lions. I will bend my knee to Jesus and let the lions break my bones. Amen. You know, when you love God in such a way, miracles will happen. Miracles will happen. God becomes zealous. Hallelujah. When Mary refused to go, Jesus knew he has to come. This woman is not going to leave him. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus normally doesn't like to go to graveyards. Eh? I mean, he, he's, the angels even told her, you know, woman, why are you weeping? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Let's read. Let's read the story. You see, let's read John chapter 20, verses 12 and 13. Seeking Jesus like Mary Magdalene. Ah, I hope this message will encourage some of you to seek Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're in Babylon alone. You know, we are more than uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew children. Do you know that? Some people think that we will see big miracles if we go to, go to a big conference, big crusade. Excuse me. Daniel was one with his three Hebrew companions. You know how many miracles happened in Babylon? There was a handwriting on the wall. There were angels coming and shutting the mouth of lions. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not about numbers. 
It's never been about numbers. It is about your love for God. It is about your dedication to God. Amen. So we read here in John chapter 20, verse 12 and 13, and see it two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Amen. And they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Praise God. Just think about this conversation here. You see, normally when you see two angels, you should stop weeping. You should express some uh, surprise, shock. You should be astonished. That's the normal reaction of a normal human being. But I told you from the beginning, Mary is not normal. She was not impressed with two angels. That is nice that you have come, two angels. I know you guys are powerful, but I'm not looking for you. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Can somebody say hallelujah? Praise God. When you're looking for Jesus, don't stop with angels. Don't become an orthodox and start worshiping Gabriel and uh, Michael and uh, Raphael and uh, I don't know what else they worship. There are people who worship angels, not Mary. She's not impressed with these angels. They ask a question, who, do you, who are you looking for? I'm looking for Jesus. If you meet an angel, tell the angel, excuse me, uh, have you seen Jesus? <laughs> I'm looking for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. No disrespect to you. I'm sure you, you know, grand and wonderful. But uh, I'm looking for the king of kings. I'm looking for the Alpha and Omega. I'm looking for the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the one who made you. Praise God. Don't talk too long with an angel. Even the angels are not interested. Praise Jesus. Are we going to stop when we see angels? No, thank you. I want to see Jesus. I like the Greek guys, by the way, in, in John chapter 12. You may say whatever you want about them. But uh, what I liked about them was the Bible says they came to Philip and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Hey, they didn't come all the way from Greece to talk with Philip or the apostles. No. They said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Amen. Make your mission clear. Our mission is to see Jesus. Our mission is to talk to Jesus. Amen. So thank you, angels, but no thank you. So Mary is the ultimate model for those who seek Jesus. Only those who have been subjugated and delivered from the diabolical power of seven demons understand the value of Jesus. Amen. Can you imagine what seven demons done did to her body? They tortured her in ways we cannot begin to imagine. But now, Mary cried for the Lord whose body was tortured and mangled. She knew what he did for her. He gave her back her dignity. 
but she saw the way they beat the Lord, the way they whipped him, the way they mangled his body. And this traumatized Mary, traumatized Mary, because she knew the Lord was innocent. He did good. He blessed everyone. He did no harm to anyone. When everyone else forsook the demon-possessed Mary, Jesus came to deliver her. Amen. Jesus came to deliver her. So that's the reason Mary now refused to leave the body of her Lord. Mary refused to abandon the God who did not abandon her when everybody else abandoned her. Amen. Do you remember what Jesus delivered you from? Do you remember, do you remember what you owe? Do you remember what you owe the Lord? Mary never forgot what she owed the Lord. She always stayed faithful beside him. She always stuck by his side. She always was faithful. I pray that we will be loving the Lord and faithful till the day Jesus takes us. That's my, the biggest prayer that I have to the Lord, that I may never leave you. I always repeat that prayer. That I may never leave you like Mary. I will always be there at your grave. Doesn't matter who goes back. I want to be there with Jesus. So Mary refused to leave the body of her Lord. May we stoop ever lower in our search for Jesus. May we stoop ever lower as Mary, Mary did. You see, those who search diligently for Jesus are never disappointed. She saw, as I said, not one, but two angels. But rather than awe and amazement at the sight of these angels, Mary focused her mission on Jesus. You know, in verse 13, John 20, verse 13, they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Mm. We must weep if we don't know where Jesus is. Shall I repeat that again? We must weep if we don't know where Jesus is. Mary lived by the principle, I must know where Jesus is. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Do we feel comfortable? Do we continue with our business if we don't feel Jesus? If we don't know where Jesus is? In Psalm 16 verse 8, what did David say? Because the Lord is always at my right hand. I shall not be moved. David knew where God was. Right hand means the place of power. He could feel that God was in control in his life. He knew God was God in his life and in control in his life. Amen. Don't relax if you don't know where Jesus is. Don't be comfortable if you don't know where Jesus is. If I were to ask you today, do you know where Jesus is? You should say yes. Can you help me to find him? Say yes, no problem. I know where he is. Let's pray. Amen. Let me open to you the Bible. I'll tell you where Jesus is. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I can show you where Jesus is from the Bible. And we can pray together. He's here. But Mary did not know for the first time in her life where Jesus is. She was in pain. She was tormented. Praise God. Hallelujah. So she told the angels why she was weeping. They took away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. Now this is serious focus and concentration. Yeah. You remember I was talking about this book called Focus. Johan Hariri. He talked about stolen attention. Who is robbing our attention today? It's all the social media, technology. But you know, Mary was a kind of person, her attention towards Jesus was razor sharp, sustained, unbreakable. No matter who appeared, she's still talking about Jesus. Like I said earlier, there are some people who would be very happy to see two angels. And then they would have bought their mission, mission accomplished. I've seen two angels. Wow. This is wonderful. May I ask you your name, sirs? Are you Gabriel? Are you Michael? What a blessing. Uh, no. She didn't talk to them. She just answered their question, basically. She was not interested in dialogue or conversation. She just answered their question. You see, no angels delivered her from demons. No angels blessed her like Jesus did. Hallelujah. If it's an angel who saved you, you can talk to the angel. But it was no angel that saved her. No angel that kicked out the demons. It was Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. She started with Jesus. She wants to finish with Jesus. Praise God. Amen. These were powerful angels. But they could not wipe away her tears. There's no angel that can comfort you. Only Jesus can comfort Mary. And only Jesus is our comforter. Hallelujah. Mary is not deceived. Let's turn to the book of Revelation. Chapter 21 and verse 4. The book of Revelation. Chapter 21 and verse 4. Revelation 21 and verse 4 says, and God, say with me, and God, not your family, not your friends, not an angel, no priest or pastor, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Oh, blessed day when Jesus will wipe away all our tears. Amen. See, Mary was not afraid of angels. Mary had the perfect love that casts away fear. There is such a thing as a perfect love. That casts away fear. Amen. The Apostle John in the gospel, in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, 1 John or 1 John 4 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casted out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Amen.
Think about it. When one is so intoxicated with love for Jesus, angels do not scare you. Amen. Nothing will scare a person who is in love with Jesus. Praise God. Do you know that she didn't even flinch? She didn't even jump? She didn't scream or shout? The Bible normally says when angels popped up, men would be afraid. Mary had such perfect love for Jesus that it seemed like she met angels every day. They posed no fear for her. May God give us that love. That if I see an angel walk into my room through the through the wind, through the uh, the wall, I just tell the angel, "Excuse me, where is Jesus?" Amen. Don't give the glory to an angel. Let angels know that you fear only Jesus. We worship only God, only Jesus. His name is Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, having answered the question of the angels, listen what happens now. Turn with me to John 20 verse 14. Once we, the scripture is put up in the, in the chat room, I want to show you something which perhaps you may not have seen before. Because I did not. But look at John 20 verse 14. Let's read it carefully together. John 20 verse 14. So now let's, let me just paint the picture before this. She was answering the question of the angels. That means she was facing the angels in the sepulcher and talking to them. Verse 14 says, when she had thus said, as soon as she said this, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was, it, it was, isn't this interesting that you, I asked the question, why did she turn back? You know why? Could it be because the angels recognized Jesus standing behind her? Oh, hallelujah. You see, otherwise, why is she going to turn back? So are you with me? If you're with me, hallelujah, shout hallelujah where you are. You know, the angels were talking to her. The angels perhaps did not think Jesus is going to come to a graveyard. But let me tell you. Mary made that graveyard into church. Hallelujah. Can, can, you, can you make a graveyard into a church meeting place? Yes. If you have the love of Mary. Because of Mary, the angels came. Because of Mary, Jesus came. You know, when she answered that question, the angels cannot tell Jesus, can you come? Because this lady is not going to go. She is going to stay here looking for your body, Jesus. But your body is not here. It's risen. We cannot tell you where to go. So while they were listening to our answering, suddenly the two angels saw Jesus standing behind her. What do you think two angels do when they see Jesus standing behind them? <laughs> they must have begun to stand up. They must have shot up to attention. Hallelujah. Jesus is behind you, angels. So immediately Mary realized something changed in their behavior. Something is happening. So she turned to see who are they looking at? Who are they standing up for? Hmm. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Ah, can we shout hallelujah? Yes, it's possible to bring Jesus to 
whatever you are. If you say, I'm, I'm not leaving this place. I will not let you go until you bless me. We know there was another famous man by the name of Jacob. That man was determined to make that place, Peniel, a place for, of his blessing. He must have said, I, I know this place is not Bethel. I know this is not where my grandfather Abraham built an altar. I know this is not Jerusalem. But I will not let you go until you bless me right here. Hallelujah. You determine where God will bless you. Normally nobody has a prayer meeting or a meeting where you have an angel and Jesus in a graveyard. <laughs> Mary doesn't care. Mary just said, I want my Jesus. And her Jesus came there. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Jesus will come. He will come. Praise God. And for the millions who are looking for him to return. If one woman could make him come to the graveyard. Do you think Jesus will not come back for the millions who are looking up to heaven every day and saying. Maranatha Jesus come. He will come. Because he will not. He cannot resist our love. He cannot, he will not resist our love. We love him too much for him to stay in heaven. Amen. We love him too much to be separated from him. He will come. He must come. Say, Maranatha, Jesus, come. Our love will compel you to come, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I say this with love. Amen. You know, Jesus is our father. He's my everlasting father. A child has the right to tell the father, come, I need you. Amen. I want to be with you. Praise God. Mary refused. She wanted him to come. Hallelujah. And Jesus came. And Jesus came. Hallelujah. May the Lord grant us the love that seeks him so diligently that even mighty angels become a boring distraction. Amen. When you love Jesus so much, two angels become a boring distraction. Amen. You can come with a whole choir of angels. A whole army of angels. I will get bored. I want Jesus. Angels were there. Jesus was there. Something is still missing. You know what is missing? Mary did not seem to recognize the Lord Jesus. The Bible says she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 15. John chapter 20, verse 15. Jesus said unto a woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Hmm. Just think about what she's saying. So if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Excuse me, you and how many with you will take him away? Do you know what a corpse weighs? I don't think Mary was a bodybuilder or, I don't know, very strong woman. 
she said, I will take him away. <laughs> this woman is determined. When you love Jesus, you don't even consider your strength. It's not easy to carry a corpse, eh? which uh, has had uh, spices and all sorts of bandages, uh, or not bandages in those days, but, you know, a linen cloth uh, wrapped around it. Jesus, his body would have weighed quite a lot. And here's this uh, woman. I can imagine in those days, they didn't weigh much, well, maybe not that tall. And with such confidence, she says, uh, tell me where his body, where you've laid his body, and I will take him off. Hallelujah. And <laughs> no discussion. No questions asked. You know, actually, Mary was even in the wrong place as the angel stated. She was looking for the living among the dead. But her determination and love for the Lord brought him back to the sepulcher. Amen. Such is the love of the Lord for those who love him deeply that he makes exceptions. Say, Jesus makes exceptions. Who would imagine that Jesus would come and meet you at the graveyard, at a sepulcher? But love, love is a different language. It accomplishes things that nothing else can accomplish. Jesus contradicted what his own angel said because Mary was so dear to him. Amen. There is a great love that makes the Lord do things he would not normally do. Because Mary came looking for him at the sepulcher, Jesus came to meet her there. If Jesus can meet someone at this at sepulcher, he can meet you anywhere, in your house, in the field. Praise God. Mary made the sepulcher into church. Praise God. But the story doesn't yet, hasn't yet ended. The Lord spoke to Mary. He said, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Isn't it interesting that Jesus asked the same questions as the angels? Exactly same words. You know what this tells me? Heaven is in unity. The angels and Jesus say, speak the same language. They say the same things. Amen. Praise God. Sometimes in one church, two people will say two different things. In the church of Corinth, they had four followers, four leaders. But in heaven, they speak the same thing. The angels ask the same question. And Jesus asks the same question. Praise God. At the mouth of two witnesses, every matter will be established. Thank God for Mary. She gave the same answer to the angels. And she gave the same answer to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. When you go to heaven, whether you meet cherubim, seraphim, anybody, including Jesus, and they ask you, who are you seeking? Please give, give them the same answer. Say, I seek Jesus. Amen. I seek Jesus. Amen. If the 24 elders ask you, who do you seek? The cherubim say, while they're saying, holy, 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 the seraphim, and they say, excuse me, who do you seek? Tell everybody, Jesus. I seek Jesus. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not looking for the Trinity. Amen. I know I'm not going to find it here. 
I will be looking forever and ever and ever and ever. It doesn't exist. But Jesus, I will find him. Although many people will ask me, who do you seek? And even Jesus, whom I may not recognize, may ask me, praise God. You know, sir, God is testing us. At the mouth of two witnesses, say the same thing. When you speak to somebody in the world, speak to somebody in the church, when you speak to a crook, when you speak to a righteous person, tell them all, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I seek Jesus. Amen. Because Jesus can come disguised as an angel. Jesus could come as your neighbor and ask you, who do you seek? Say, Jesus. Amen. And then he will make himself known to you. He will show you that he is Jesus. You see, Jesus will not reveal himself unless he's sure that you are seeking him. And he will not make it just very easy to find him. Ask, seek, knock. I remember as a 15-year-old, I can tell you I almost gave up. I was the, the saddest 15-year-old you could ever meet. With a Muslim background. Expecting Allah to reveal himself to me. I would go outside the school to a place which was outside the legal bounds for the students, but I didn't care. And I would cry and I would tell God, where are you? Why do you hide from me? I want to find you. I'm hungry for you. I was not asking him to give me money, by the way. I didn't ask him to give me anything. I only wanted to know the truth. Because what is greater than the truth, brothers and sisters? What is more important than to know the truth? Who is God? This is not a question science can answer. This is not a question that physics and chemistry and biology can answer. This is a question only God can answer. Who are you? Lord, I am Jesus. Hallelujah. What is the truth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. A great rabbi, Jonathan Sachs, before he passed away, said, there are three questions that everybody must answer. It doesn't matter who you are. Believe or unbelieve or Why am I in this world? No, who am I? Why am I in this world? Where am I going? Ah, no matter how smart you are, doesn't matter how many PhDs or professorships you may have. If you cannot answer these questions and rejoice over the answers that you're able to give yourself, if your mind, your soul, your spirit, your conscience are all in agreement and approve of the answer, blessed are you. But if you haven't found the answer to these questions, you need to. Put everything else on, on hold, on a pause. Push the pause button. Answer these questions first. Find God first. Imagine somebody who plays with a toy for the, you know, many years and never bothers to find out who made this toy that I've enjoyed so much. It's similar to what, what's happening with the world. Today we all making toys of the earth that God gave, gave us. Some build a toy called a house, some build a toy called a car, 
some build aeroplanes and travel all over the world. And nobody asks, who made all of this? What does he want? Mary is not interested in living without Jesus. I was really, I reached a point when I was 15 in 1986 in India, of all places. I really did not want to continue living. I'm not saying I was suicidal, no, but I, I was depressed. I could not understand what life is, why people are living. I really didn't understand. I wanted to stop people and shout. Why are you lying to yourself? Do you know who you are? Do you know who God is? Do you know who's behind everything? Do you know you will die soon? Do you know the answers to the big questions? So for me, I was not willing. I used to go to graveyards, strangely. I mean, I was not crazy. Uh, it's related to this story because Mary refused to leave the sepulcher. I used to go to the graveyard because I would be cycling past and I would stop and park my cycle and come in and sit and look at the graveyards and look at the names and the years. And I would walk around and look at all of them. And I wanted to talk to all of them and say, where are you, by the way? Where are you now? You, you people know the truth wherever you are. But I can't get an answer from you. So God, tell me, what is the meaning of life? What happens after death? And because of this relentless seeking, incessant seeking, I refuse to give up. In September 1986, Jesus himself appeared to me. Imagine somebody from Somalia, Muslim background, uh, not the best testimony for me to take back to my people. The reward will be a bullet in the head. But that's my story. I didn't ask to see Jesus. I asked for the truth. Who is God? And Jesus came and said that he is God. And the love that came from him convinced me he is God. There's only one love that can be associated with God. It's a unique love. I'm telling you, it's not, it's not a normal love. That love can conquer the whole world. It's more powerful than nuclear weapons. If the world were to experience this love, they would abandon everything and follow Jesus. That's the love I experienced. I, I didn't think that I'm going to be killed or I, I, people are going to threaten me. Later, I realized I, I may not live more than one year. And I was ready. But I've lived more than... Uh, 40 years, close to 40 years because Jesus has been with me. So I'm saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, that's what he was telling me even in this experience. He first told me I was looking for God. He told me he's God. Then he began to speak scripture, but I didn't know the Bible. I didn't even know what a Bible was. But later when I read the Bible, I understood this is what he's saying. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection. These things you were telling me from John 14 and other places. And since that day, I love Jesus. I have one overarching desire in my life, and that is to see Jesus, to be with Jesus. I felt sad when I came to know that I, <laughs> it may be many, many years before I meet him. 
for, forever. I wanted to be with him at that moment. I didn't want to go back. So in one sense, I'm just waiting to be with him. That's what I'm living. That's why we can do many other things, but my heart is not really there. My heart is to go back to be with him. I can understand maybe because when you have experienced the love of Jesus, you, you, life has no meaning without Jesus. If Jesus were to leave me now, I definitely will tell him, take me. I can't leave. I can't live. Impossible to live without Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we love him for a moment? Can we lift up our hands, our hearts? I want to challenge you. Have you forgotten how much you love Jesus? Do you still have the same love for him? People may have disappointed you. But Jesus, it's not the fault of Jesus. I've lived close to 40 years after I met the Lord. I can tell you many people disappointed me, but I love everyone because I love Jesus so much that whatever other offenses happen, they're all swallowed up by the love of Jesus. I have no ax to grind with anyone. I just want Jesus. That's it. Amen. So I want to remind you about your love for Jesus. Mary Magdalene challenges us. I don't find anyone who loved Mary more than Jesus, frankly. When I went to Israel the first time, let me tell you what happened. I, I spent time in the Galilee first, and I saw, I went to, I was stationed, and for those of you who were with me, you know what I'm talking about, but I've been there five times, so I understand the geography of Israel relatively well. But you see, I was stationed in the city called Tiberias, and from there, you drive for like 20 minutes and you come to a place called Magdala. And I was surprised when I first saw it. I said, Magdala, could that be where Mary Magdalene is from? So I stopped the car, went in and inquired, and they told me, yes, yes. And they even found a synagogue there. So that's probably where Mary Magdalene was from. So I remember praying, sitting there, looking around, and I opened the Bible and I read about Mary Magdalene and remembered how she loved Jesus so much. She didn't want to leave him even, even in the grave. And I prayed and I thanked the Lord for Mary. And my heart was just thinking about Mary for the next few days. And then I went to the other places, you know, uh, Caesarea Philippi and went to Mount Hermon and all these other Nazareth and uh, Cana, uh, Cana, etc. And finally, the River Jordan, etc. And then I went to Jerusalem for the remaining five, six days. And guess what? While I was standing on the Mount of Olives, where you can get a panor panoramic view of Jerusalem, you can see the Temple Mount area, and uh, you can see the Kidron Valley and all of that. And, and as I was looking around, I saw this church which look very different. I knew, okay, this looks like an Orthodox church. And it had golden domes, you know, in the typical Russian style, you know, if you, Red Square, Moscow. Uh, I looked at it and I said, wow, what is that very special building? It really is truly beautiful, breathtaking. And you can easily see it in the skyline of Jerusalem. Very prominent building. And later, guess what? It's just past the Garden of Gethsemane. And guess what the building, who it was dedicated to? 
It's called the Church of Mary Magdalene. Now, I know that it's an Orthodox church, but I'm still thinking, look, it makes sense that the Lord allowed such one of the most beautiful buildings in Jerusalem to be dedicated to the name of this woman who never left Jesus. And I smiled because I said, uh, Mary, uh, that is, thank you, Sister Simonot, beautiful. Look at, I was not exaggerating. Look at the picture. Uh, sorry, those who are hearing on the recording, you can't, but you can Google Church of Mary Magdalene in Jerusalem. It's just beside the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's amazing. You can see it from miles and miles. And then the Church of Mary Magdalene, wow. And I smiled and I told the Lord, it is fitting, Lord. It is appropriate that this lady who I, you know, you again reminded me of her in, in uh, Tiberius, that she has such a beautiful building dedicated to her name. It's as if the Lord said, uh, okay, I know the Orthodox, uh, they are not listening to Mary because Mary did not worship angels, but these people who build this Orthodox church are worshiping angels, but uh, why don't they learn from Mary? But this is a beautiful building, which is fitting to the memory of my disciple, Mary Magdalene. And I remember I went in the, into this church. I looked around. I prayed to Jesus. And I thanked the Lord for Mary. Let's come back and conclude with the story of Mary. So finally, after she had been tested in so many ways. And let me tell you, yes, it costs something to find Jesus. Say with me, it costs something to find Jesus. Do you find diamonds every day? How can we even compare diamonds to Jesus? Finally, you see, Jesus spoke, but she couldn't understand. She didn't recognize him. But you know what? Finally, the Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 16, Jesus said unto a Mary, Maria in Hebrew, she turned herself. In other words, she had turned away when she was speaking to Jesus, weeping. But when he said Maria, in the way that only Jesus can say Maria, she turned. The revelation came not through the preaching of Jesus, but when Jesus called her name in that loving way that only Jesus can call our names. Simon. Bajona, love is done. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Ah, hallelujah. Jesus calls your name. Amen. Only Jesus can call your name in a way that nobody can call. I, when I was preaching this message, I was telling people, do you remember somebody? J just close your eyes. Let, let's do a little mindfulness experience that's the word they love these days the only thing is i don't know who they're being mindful of i hope it's jesus when they tell me let's do some mindfulness i close my eyes and i say jesus hallelujah so because i don't know what they, they are meditating upon i meditate on jesus but if you close your eyes for a moment and go let me take you back uh, i'm not sigmund freud or some psychologist let me take you back to your childhood which voice do you hear you calling do you hear calling you with love to eat lunch or dinner, to wake up, get ready for school. What voice do you hear? Amen. 
the voice of love. Was it your mother, your father, your aunt, your grandmother? Some may not be that fortunate. I didn't have, I only had the voice of a captain screaming at me, waking me up every day. And sometimes I find myself doing the same with my children, but I, I hope they'll rem remember me somehow still with love. <laughs> but there were always those voices, yeah, that you recognize. You knew that voice is the voice that loves me. The voice that will never do me harm. The voice that will never abandon me. The voice that I run to. Ah, you know what I'm speaking about? Do you hear that voice? I'm telling you, Jesus is that voice. There is no voice like Jesus' voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? When you've given up, Moses, hallelujah. Amen. Abraham, Maria, praise God. Ah, no one like Jesus. No one like Jesus. Jesus loves us. He calls our name in such a way that nobody can ever compare. Amen. No one can compare. May Jesus call your name again. <laughs> ah, it's difficult to fight back tears. Um, but Jesus loves us. Jesus called her name, Maria. And that was enough. Sometimes the preaching of Jesus, we don't hear. The word of God, we don't hear. But Maria, Shaul, Shaul. Then he heard. Jesus calls us by name. Jesus knows us by name. Amen. We are not just a number. The Nazis wanted to dehumanize the Jews in, the, uh, in Auschwitz and Treblinka and Sobibor. So they gave them numbers. Because the first way you dehumanize somebody is don't use their name. But Jesus humanizes us. Jesus makes us his children when he calls us by our name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May Jesus heal you by calling your name. Amen. John 20, verse 16, Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself. See that voice that can make you turn. And said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Hallelujah. Mary did not respond to the questions of the angels or the Lord. Nothing affected her except when the Lord called her name. Amen. Hallelujah. Mary turned because she could not mistake the sound of that voice as it called her name. No one can call our name like Jesus can. When God calls our names, we will turn and pay attention. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Isaiah 43 verse 1. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by, by thy name. Thou art mine. Notice what God says. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Isaiah 43 verse 1. Praise God. This is the voice that is unique 
the voice that is inimitable. No voice, no voice was filled with such compelling love, care, and goodness. Praise God. Amen. You know, Adam gave names to all the animal, animals to forge a bond of love. That's why God called all the animals and he told Adam, give them a name. To name someone is to humanize them, is to, is to forge a bond of love. That is why the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, amongst others, states that everyone has a right to a name. Everyone has a right to a name. That's why we do not call people names. We don't twist their names. We don't change their names. We don't say, what's your name? Ah, no, I'm going to call you something else. Only Jesus can do that. The voice that called Simon Peter to feed his sheep and the voice that called Lazarus to return from the dead is calling out your name right now to draw closer to him. Do you hear the voice of Jesus? You know, Jesus can call somebody's voice, a name, and the person may be in heaven, but he will come back to the earth, as did Lazarus. That is the power of Jesus' name, Jesus to call our names. Lazarus, come forth. Jesus doesn't speak to, Christians are not dead. Lazarus was not dead. He said he's sleeping. Sleeping, really? If somebody's sleeping, you call their name, they wake up, yeah? Jesus called his name. He woke up. We, are not, we will not die. Jesus will call our names. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. What a wonderful God we see. Let's conclude with two verses, one after the other. And after that, we will pray and close for today. Forgive me that there will be no uh, time for questions or anything. But this message today was not really a Bible study. This is a, a sermon to build faith. It is something to meditate upon. I hope all we need to do is pray for us to love Jesus more. Nothing more after this. Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to type the two scriptures in here. Just paste it in there. But they, the scriptures are from, you can follow Isaiah 62 verse 2 and Revelation 2.17. Isaiah 62 verse 2 says, and the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Notice God says, we shall be called by a new name. And Revelation 2.17 says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that received it. Jesus will give you a new name, a powerful name. And we will respond to that name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. You're a wonderful God, a mighty God. And today we believe we've been challenged by the love that Mary Magdalene had for you. What a wonderful disciple. What a loving disciple. I thank you for the kind of God that you are who can inspire such love that this lady refused to leave the grave. She could only think of you, Jesus. She left everything for you.
where everyone else left, she did not leave. She wept. She was not impressed with angels. She may not have recognized you, but her focus was razor sharp. And in the end, your love, the love that conquered her heart, the same love opened eyes to know that it was you. Lord Jesus, I've spoken about your love today. When all is said and done, when all the dust of doctrine has settled, there is the knowledge of who you are, your identity, and your love. Your love is forever. Your love, Jesus, has humanized us, has Christianized us, has ennobled us. We don't even have a vocabulary to describe what that agape love of God does within our souls. We just love you. All we pray for is that we will love you more, that we will love you like Mary Magdalene. We will never leave you. We will never seek anyone else. We will be devoted to you forever and ever, Jesus, for you are worthy of such love, Jesus. This is our prayer. Bless your people today. We bless you with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls. Glory be to your name. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your goodness. For you are good and your mercy endures forever indeed. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.